welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about how comics and pop culture impact life and society and vice versa, coming to you from an evil layer deep in the heart of an active volcano, deep in the heart of Texas. I'm Kevin. And coming at you from the Danger Room in the Xavier Mansion, also located in Indianapolis for the purpose of this podcast, I am Sean. And before we get started with this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. You can also follow us on social media at Caption Life on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, you name it, we're on it. You can also find out more information and past episodes at thecaptionlife.com. That's right. Go hit that. Go hit that subscribe button. Yes. Hey, uh. Sean, did you uh, get the hint that I dropped there in the opening that we alluded to the topic that we're discussing tonight? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I knew what we were going to be talking about, but yeah, I think so. But I surprised you when I, I dropped in the evil layer. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the great things uh, about villains is is the evil layer. But that's another episode. We are going to talk about villains tonight. Uh, but with a classic Caption Life podcast twist, we're going to discuss the villains that we love and the heroes that we hate, i.e. the villains that are cool or have some redeeming factor that draws us to them as a fan, or the heroes that maybe aren't so cool or have a tendency to act unheroic at times and, and why we dislike them. So uh, we're going to kick this off in just a second. Sean has got uh, a pick or two to discuss. I've got a pick or two to discuss. We even have some, some listener input from, from followers on social media. But before we do this, I, I want to, Sean, I want to invite you on a journey down the <laughs> rabbit hole yes. of research that I did for this podcast. Oh, nice. Okay. So this is the, the approach that I took to find the, the person, the, the character, I say person, like they exist in real life. Um, the character that I wanted to discuss, the characters that I wanted to discuss, but mostly it centers around, um, the villain. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hero, I have two heroes that I hate, um, and we'll get into that later, but that was easy. <laughs> Finding that the villain uh, that you love was harder. Um, and so this was the approach. I, I, I looked at it from the perspective of intention in mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bad things done with good intentions are usually a gray area for me personally. Right. And I tend to side with justice, even if it's gone about the wrong way. Um, that being said, like a villain like Poison Ivy came to mind because like her pursuit of like saving plants and the environment is always noble. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be honest with you. She couldn't she couldn't quite make the cut. Oh, there's a, a there's a yeah, there's a deeper love that I have. In comics and pop culture and in entertainment media, and that's the crime caper. Okay, <laughs> I love stories where something is getting stolen, whether or not it's the um, the Declaration of Independence or if it's diamonds or a bank vault. Um, so criminals and criminal masterminds are are very very high up on my list. Okay, mm-hmm. now this is a trope um, from like the golden and silver age of comics, right? Most of the motivation in the, let's say forties, fifties, sixties was, uh, was money, right? Mm -hmm. The, the assortment of bad guys, especially for classic heroes, like Spider-Man, their, their villains were, were looking for a payday, whether or not it was Rhino or, or Scorpion and Vulture. Like Rhino was a goon. He was always looking for a payday. Scorpion and Vulture were both thieves. They're just looking for a payday on the flip side of that. There's an argument that can be made for these these same individuals who have enhanced powers that could be earning money a legitimate way. Right. And they don't do it. (laughs) 
So like when I think about what power I would want, we've had this conversation on the podcast. The, the, the things that I think about are how much money can I make off of this power? Mm-hmm. People like Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man villains like Sandman. Sandman could have easily become a contract worker in the Middle East and put his powers to good use <laughs> in the oil fields and made bank. Whether or not it's like finding the oil or protecting the, you know, the interest of multinational corporations. I don't know. He could have made a ton of money. Uh, shocker. Another Spider-Man villain created like vibration technology that could be used for any number of lucrative fields, whether it's construction or mining or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's, he's chooses the life of a villain. And then the last one, Electro. Okay. Now Electro holds a special place in my heart because he is living energy. He could have been mm-hmm. the hero that we needed here in Texas last February. As a matter of fact, <laughs> he would be the governor of Texas by now had he just plugged into a power plant and binged Cobra Kai for a few days. Right. But you know what's better than that? What's better than doing that, Sean? Robbing jewelry stores and fighting with a teenager. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it makes things more interesting, right? All those guys got disqualified. Okay. <laughs> now, I will argue that all of those people are a better villain than the governor of Texas. I mean, I, <laughs> he, there's no way he makes the list for right. me. Um, but that's a political that's a political podcast where we need to have that conversation, right? <laughs> um, okay, so let's move up the chain, okay? Because I'm this is I'm I'm on the soapbox and I'm just going just the rabbit hole up the ladder or down the hole. It doesn't matter. There's Lex Luthor. Yeah. Now Lex Luthor is somebody that can do anything he wants. Okay. He's got unparalleled genius. Right. He's got mm, the most business acumen of ever, anybody. He's got more money than Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> you love your Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> I do. I do. But here's the thing. As long as Superman is in the sky, mm-hmm. he's one peg below. He's one peg below where he wants to be. Right. He's never going to get top billing unless Gene Hackman is playing him in a movie. <laughs> okay. He would be cool. He'd be my pick if he wasn't such an obsessive sociopath. Right. Right. So this is this is the the end of the journey. How do how do you pick the villain that you love? And it comes down to this one tried and true formula, two parts. Okay? Part one of that equation is who's badass with cool powers. <laughs> okay? True. Yep. The second part is who fits the cliche phrase, guys want to be him, ladies want to be with him. <laughs> And ultimately, ultimately, I picked the person that I liked the most as a kid. <laughs> I did all of this research. I scoured the web. I looked on every forum and every Reddit thread and every, um, you know, clickbait comic book post. Mm-hmm. I checked them all. Right. And I picked the person that I've been in love with since the fifth grade. <laughs> so I'll step down. I'll step down from my, my soapbox and we can really get into the conversation. Right. Who are... The heroes that we love and the villains that we hate. Right. So, you know, um, kind of kind of going on the tails of that, actually, when I was thinking through the villains that I love, kind of the same thing with you. I just really picked the people that I naturally uh, gravitate to who mm-hmm. are villains. I'm just like, you know, this is somebody I, I wouldn't root for in terms of them being successful in their villainy, but I'm like, they would be such a great like superhero, basically, right? Mm-hmm. But as I was thinking through this list, it dawned on me that um, there are some people that I feel like are just doomed to be villains because of their situation or their power, right? And, and the person that came to mind for me was Mystique. 
Because her mm-hmm. superpower is that she can shapeshift into anybody, right? Which, mm-hmm. if you think about it, naturally, organically, that power is deceptive because how can you use that for good unless there's like some sort of specific situation that comes up? Whereas, like by nature, it's always going to be deceptive and people are always going to be mistrusting of somebody that uses their power like that. And so I I feel like that's a harder, you know, situation for that person to be able to go and become a hero, right? I can give you an example of how she could have used that power for good. Let's say that they found out who the identity of Spider-Man was. It would have been really easy for her to be like, no, look, it's me, Peter Parker. And then Spider-Man's, you know, shooting webs, doing backflips and stuff like that. Right. Because... Because I think two years ago when we saw Far From Home, we both were like, yeah, that's that's an easy fix. Yeah. <laughs> um, they just need to have a scroll to, p- to pretend to be Peter Parker. Um, and then we got a Well, thank, thankfully, they didn't do that because we got a, a much better <laughs> movie out of what they chose. Right. But yeah, I it, when you said Mystique, um, you said the word um, deceptive. Right. And and I and I thought in my head that the same at the same time that she's so deceiving. Right. And so like it's we were we're on the same page there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and, and even that example that you gave is still circumstantial, right? Like it's it's based on a circumstance where that would come mm-hmm. into as opposed to when can she use her power at any time that wouldn't be deceptive or could be, mm-hmm. you know, used for good. And, and and that's why I was starting to frame that context of that you know, it could be used for good, but it would have to be in like certain circumstances, like what you just shared there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's not inherently good, but it's, it can be circumstantially beneficial. Right. Exactly. So kind of like, kind of like Jesus's power of turning water into wine. <laughs> like if you overuse that power, you're not a good person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, in circumstance calls for it, you've got a cousin getting married. Which, by the way, not to get sidetracked, but I saw a great meme about that where it says Jesus in the bar and the bartender says, I'm cutting you off. You're only having water. He's like, oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> so, so and, yeah. So my favorite villain that I absolutely love, and I got to say, um, this is really interesting for me because I think growing up, I had some villains I love and I can't really decide where I want to land on some of these. And I'll say that Shredder was one of my favorite ones growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one that I ultimately landed on was Bane. And, and there's a reason for that because I remember, uh, you know, we actually talked about this when we did the episode on Batman, where I remember first seeing Bane on a comic book cover of when he was first introduced in the, in the run nightfall at a half price books. And I remember thinking like, this looks really interesting just from the art cover. And I haven't had a chance to read like a lot more comics after that, but I love Tom Hardy's portrayal of Bane in the dark Knight rises because he did Mm -hmm. such a great job of portraying a villain. That's also rational and is very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very, uh, calculating, calculating. Thank you. That's what I'm mm-hmm. looking for. Very calculating and very intimidating. Like, especially Tom Hardy is not a very tall person. He got buffed for that role. Right. And, and they, and they took it from a very different direction from the comics. Cause in the comics, he has to inject himself with a, um, serum called venom to get his like super strength and everything like that. Whereas they didn't do that in the movie, but I love what they did with the mask and made it practical and everything. But I think the idea behind Bane is very interesting because he is pretty much 
at the same intellect as Bruce Wayne, but he also mm-hmm. has super strength and relies on that um, less than technology like what Batman does. And so I feel like mm-hmm. he's always been an equal to Batman, but has a different approach in terms of um, not only does he have the intellect, but he has a different power that he brings to it. And I always just find it fascinating. I feel like every time I see the Bane character, I always like it, except for the uh, portrayal that was done in the series Gotham. I think they kind of took a, a weird turn to it, and I kind of understand mm-hmm. why, because it, it really took like a like a gothic approach to Gotham. And it made sense for that series. I didn't particularly like it, but I love Bane in, um, in The Dark Knight Rises, and I absolutely love Bane in Harley Quinn because he's just hysterical in that show as well. So, um, so he's somebody that could easily become a hero if he wanted mm-hmm. to, but because of the circumstances, he was already like leading down a path of villainy because of him having to serve his father's uh, prison sentence um, because I think he died or something like that. So they told him that he had to you know, serve it out. And so he's always been kind of in that circumstance where he had to almost become a villain in order to survive in a sense. So I'm going to I'm going to start by using a line from the, the Dark Knight um, series, the Dark Knight to unpack some of what you just said about Bane, yeah. because I think a lot of it applies to the the villains in pop culture that we love as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, you either you either um, die a hero or you live long enough to be a villain or right. become a villain. You know, Harvey Dent said that in The Dark Knight. Here's the thing: if you're in comics, you either you die a villain or you become popular enough to become the hero, right? Because <laughs> that's happened to everybody. Oh yeah. When when I mentioned to my wife. Um, well, first, first, first things first, one of the things that we, when you look at how comic book characters are portrayed in different medium and whatnot, mm-hmm. one of the things that keeps coming up repeatedly in the MCU is the, the lack of a, a captivating villain. Mm-hmm. They've had 23, 24 movies. Um, and the only two home runs in my opinion that they've hit were Loki and, um, and Thanos, um, about Thanos. Okay, I'll give you three then. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so like there's three, but you know, we we, we we talked about this in the last episode about how like the the Bond movie, the villain's motivations, it, it, it lacks something. Mm-hmm. I, I talk about this with Star Wars all the time. I don't understand why the Empire wants, why the Emperor wants the, <laughs> the whole right. universe. Because that seems like an awfully big job. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the Dark Knight movies are a series where without a doubt, the villains are more compelling than the hero. Right. Like, I love those movies. I don't love, um, I, uh, what's his name? I don't love Christian Batman. Bale. I don't love Christian Bale's Batman, but Henry Ducard, the uh, Rachel Ghoul, mm-hmm. so, such a smooth, um, and then the twist, you know, that he's alive at the end. Right. Um, the Joker second to none. Like mm-hmm. I hate the Joker as a character and his portrayal is so, just amazing. Right. And then um, everything you said about Bane. But here's the, the the statement that I made about living long enough to become the hero. When I mentioned this, what we were talking about to my wife, she said some of her favorite villains were Maleficent. And mm-hmm. um, we really, really loved watching the Cruella movie over uh, uh, over this last year. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking, this is what happens. These really, really popular villains, they go and they cherry pick that one redeeming character trait right. and they make them a sympathetic antihero. Right. Yep. And they they spin them out. It's the same thing. You know, the classic classic who, who that is. Um, Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> 
Darth Vader was so last. popular in the 70s, they gave him a whole trilogy to say, like, this is how he became Darth Vader. <laughs> like, Corella DeVille's become so character. They're going to give her a whole episode one, two, three. Right. And then she won't break bad until the very, very end. Give me those puppies. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's part of it. And guess what? My hero's not, my villain isn't any different. Because guess who I love? <laughs> Magneto, who has more than once led yep. the team that he constantly fights against. Right. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> my 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 hero, my favorite hero is Magneto. And a lot of that comes from getting into comics when X-Men were huge in the early mm. 90s. Um you know, I have I have all four issues of X Men number one and framed on my wall right past this microphone, and he's just it's such a an iconic pose there with him on the far right, um, and then to borrow a phrase from Maui in the Moana movie, the hair, the bod, he's got it all. Okay, <laughs> nobody knows how old he really is because the hair is silver. He could be sixty, he could be forty with early early gray, right? Um, but or he's, he could just he's such white hair since he was yeah. 18, you know, that's how, which is, too. <laughs> which is one of the problems that I had with Ian McKellen portraying him in the, the X-Men movies of the early two thousands. Yeah. And, um, I tell you what though, Michael Fassbender, oh my gosh, they're, uh, <laughs> what's the, not the last one that was a real, real crap fest, uh, but Age the one before that age of apocalypse. Yes. What his that performance in age of apocalypse is it so was good. Fantastic. Yeah. I agree. Um, like just he got he got denied when it came to some awards consideration for that. Yeah. Um, but you know what? There are, there are aspects about Magneto's personality, um, you know, his, his sense of justice and doing what's right for mutants and the seeking fair treatment. And I'm not saying those things are justified, but you can definitely see where where he's coming from, considering um, that, you know, that uh, the X-Men were an allegory for the civil rights movement mm-hmm. of the 19 of the 1960s. Right. Um, so, yeah, Magneto is my favorite. And I've mentioned this, uh, I think, on the podcast before. There's a scene in early on in the ultimate X-Men um, where he's introduced as the bad guy in the ultimate X-Men very early on. And he's um, talking to a, another villain, but it's like a, a Middle Eastern like king slash terrorist and it's been years since i've read it but the thing that stands out to me is that like when they when the guy um tries to disavow or double cross magneto magneto like senses his pacemaker inside of his body and like just delicately pulls it out of his chest and kills the dude right and i was like that like that's what got me back into comics i was like oh my gosh that was so awesome i know he's terrible and i shouldn't like that but so crazy. Now, I, I promised you that I was. I, we talked beforehand. We've been, I've been watching Cobra Kai. Right. And the actor that plays Terry Silver on Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. I think would be a perfect, like, comics accurate, like, Magneto. He's he's tall. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, mm-hmm. And he's got that perfectly, perfectly coiffed silver hair. <laughs> right. uh, and he looks like the Magneto that we grew up with in the comics and the, um, and the cartoon TV show, of the early nineties. So, yeah. so he would be my pick if they were just going to flat out, make a one to one adaptation and put Magneto in the comics. Um, if they weren't going to bring Michael Fassbender back. Mm-hmm. Now, but you said he's 75, right? So no, the, the guy, the actor that plays him in the movie, um, he's 60. That's oh, what's so okay. crazy about Cobra Kai because Martin Cove, 
the John Kreese bad guy, he's 75. Gotcha. But the person who's playing his contemporary, his buddy from Nam, right. is is actually younger than the actor Ralph Macchio playing Daniel LaRusso. Oh, okay. That gotcha. was like a big thing. That was like a big thing back when when Karate Kid 3 turned out. Like he's supposed to be this mentor figure mm-hmm. and Daniel is like meek and needs to be trained to be a like a tough guy. Right. And the guy that's actually training him looks m- much older and tougher than he is, but he's really like 3 months younger than him. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, that's, I yeah, would That's I would my crazy pop that. culture <laughs> trivia of the day. Yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> All right. Um, what do we What do we hear from our listeners in terms of their favorites? Yeah. So um, from Twitter, we had a listener. Uh, their username is at t e h underscore sphinx, and they said Kang. And, and a, a lot of these are going to be just uh, people just kind of listing their favorite villains. Um, yeah. But I didn't really ask people to kind of explain why or anything like that. I think a couple of people may have, mm-hmm. uh, but Kang is going to be really interesting, especially with the portrayal of um, Jonathan. Um, what's his last name? Escaped my mind. I forget everybody's name. Don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the his recent portrayal. Majors. Both- Jonathan Majors. Yes. I remembered you. something. Yes. <laughs> so Jonathan Majors did, you know, a, Fantastic job, I think, of portraying Kang as somebody who's just lived so many different, uh, you know, times and in, in universes and stuff like that. So I, I know that it's been kind of a mixed reaction a little bit. Like some people thought it was kind of odd, but I thought he did a great job. And, and I think it's going to give him opportunity to portray Kang in a lot of different ways with a lot of different um, uh, approaches, right? Uh, you've had some people who also agree with you that Magneto is their favorite. So we have on Twitter at uh, that nerd Chris and Chris is spelled K R I S at uh, Liger Lily uh, L I L L I E and that is Lillian. The Hoppy Mommy, who is uh, Lauren F. She is a co-host of Hop Geeks News, um, but she shared that Magneto is her favorite as well too. Um, we also had uh, Liger Lily said that she also likes. Loki, Poison Ivy, and Mysterio, and they've all, as she said that, you know, they're all neat, and they've all turned heroic, hero adjacent, except Mysterio. And I don't think I said this earlier, but I believe Liger Lily is uh, my colleague over at Comic Watch as well, too. So, Okay. Um, our friend Lauren at Friendly NBHDBI, she said her favorite villain is Apocalypse. Uh, unfiltered, which is spelled U N P H I L T E R E D D D. So three D's at the end there. Uh, Doctor Doom, which is a lot of people's favorites. That's and that's only two D's. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and Doctor Doom in the Wastelanders series that's out on podcasts and comics plays a huge role in in that series as well too. So it's Doctor Doom is is somebody that um, everyone's really going, you know, just going to love all the time. And then on Instagram, our friend uh, at Friendly Neighborhood CT said Norman Osborn, a.k.a. Green Goblin, who is going to be circling around the, you know, popular uh, pop culture now with the uh, Spider-Man No Way mm-hmm. Home film that came out and, um, and Willem Dafoe's, like, brilliant portrayal of it. I mean, he did such a fantastic job in this yes, movie, better this than, than the other ones. Yeah, was, better than the first one. So yeah. here's the thing. I think I think heroes have a have a scale, right? Like mm-hmm. if you watch um How I Met Your Mother, 
the character Barney Stinson has this thing called the Vicky Mendoza line. Mm-hmm. And it's this, this um, line graph where like through the middle is this line that you try to balance hot versus crazy. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you want somebody that's on the Vicky Mendoza is a, is a, <laughs> I guess a person he dated. Yeah. You want somebody that's above that line hot and not, you know, not like right of the, the crazy line. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, that's where, I guess that's part of the formula for figuring this out. Like who's cool. Right. And versus who's crazy. Right. Um, and Norman Osborn typically like tips over onto <laughs> the crazy side. Yeah. But, but the, um, Willem Dafoe's portrayal of him during, in this movie was, was great because he had mm. to, he had to, you know, move those chess pieces into place as the as um norman osborne mm-hmm. before um before the green goblin snapped uh and you know became evil again right and it was it was it was a great it was a great setup i loved i loved that yeah oh yeah he, he, and well what's interesting is that i remember in the first movie they set it up to be where he had that internal struggle between him as norman osborne and then green goblin has taken over Mm-hmm. But it just went like tenfold in this movie, I feel like, and just did just a fantastic job of of just hyping it up a lot more. And and mm-hmm. I, I mean, I had to go back and watch the original ones, but I just feel like he was not as scary as I remember him being in this one, you know, especially getting that reaction from Peter Parker where he just looks at him and says, like, no, I just want to kill you for myself. And he's like, that a boy, you know, it just it, like that was just a hugely like intense moment for me because you saw Tom Holland, like for the first time having that look of hate in his eyes that he was mm-hmm. murderous. Right. But then you have Willem Dafoe that is just so sinister. It's just, you know, it's just, it, it's at the level of Heath Ledger's Joker, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I think yeah. it's going to be something that everyone's going to be comparing. Um, not that I think we should compare it because I think there's different, you know, different reasons why people, you know, do a better job in, in roles and things like that. But I mean, naturally we always, you know, talk about like who's, you know, p- portrayed the better villain and everything like that. And I think Willem Dafoe has just put himself up there with this film. So mm-hmm. I think Willem Dafoe like goes into like acting is like, how do I want to play this character? Mm-hmm. And when he gets almost there, when he finds the motivation, when he finds the voice, he's like, now what if they were on cocaine? <laughs> and then that's where it takes it to another level. Right. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. You know, <clears throat> not to, not to pile on Spider-Man the way his villains do, but segueing into who is the, who are the heroes that we love to hate? Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is mine. <laughs> and it's not that I interesting. hate, it's not that I hate Spider-Man. Cause here's the, here's the weird caveat to all of this. I dislike villains like Dr. Doom. And I dislike villains like, um, apocalypse who seem like so overpowering. It takes a team of heroes to defeat them. Right. Like the one on five, like none of that ever, none of that ever, like, seriously, there's five of you guys like, <laughs> and, and so it's like some of that, that's very frustrating. But on the flip side of that, I, I also dislike Spider-Man who routinely has to fight six guys at a time right. and it's just him and he's a teenager, um, <laughs> which doesn't seem fair either. And I'm, and I'm, I may take some heat for this, but I just, I like Spider-Man more when he's on a team. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of get, um, 
you know, the the reason why Spider-Man was so popular when he was first created by Stan Lee is that he was an everyman character. Right. You know, he was he was a, a kid that this accident happened to and that could happen to anybody. And a lot of people like just um, a lot of people were able to relate to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the character outside of the the spider suit is kind of boring. Right. Um, now, that being said, I love Tom Holland, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But and it'd be interesting to see where they take him from here. But like historically in in the comics and, and in the MCU, he's always had like a mentor figure, whether or not it was Iron Man or mm-hmm. in some of the comics, it's uh, it's uh, Wolverine or he's teaming up with Daredevil, who's got like like, you know, this like more seasoned hero because he's older and he's from the streets. Right. Um so there's I like that even one of my favorite runs of Daredevil is Mark Wade's run. And he there's a there's a um, there's a storyline in there where he has to team up with Spider-Man and Punisher. And this is during the Superior Spider-Man um, when Doc Osborne was trapped in Peter's body. And he's still a better teammate. <laughs> like he was still better on the team. Right. He was like, oh, I don't want them to I don't want them to, you know, be aware and catch me or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah like I, I just like Spider-Man more on uh, a team. And we've we've talked about Mount Rushmore of of things before. I think Spider-Man belongs on Mount Rushmore, but only because there's three other people up there for him to team up with. <laughs> right. So that's that's the, my take. And I'm, I've got one more, but I want to see who you pick first before um, before I would say the other. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I don't know if this would really classify as a hero, but I mean, this person <clears throat> has probably taken on a heroic role, my guess. Um, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of flack for this, but I just cannot stand Howard the Duck. <laughs> like okay my, my, he's not your traditional hero <laughs> right and my first uh experience of howard the duck was when the movie came out like in the late 80s i think mm-hmm. and i remember watching the film and i was just like this is just so weird of a movie and i just never really understood like why it was popular along my friends it turns out that it was a a bomb at the theaters i think but oh yeah it's it's one of those ones that was terrible and it, it didn't work out well right i've seen it a hundred times mostly because we recorded it off of hbo on a, on a vhs and watched right. it over and over and over again yeah but even when howard the duck showed up in guardians of the galaxy at the mid credit scene i was just like oh my god and and i know seth green voices the character and i love seth green but i just i even with you could have anybody voicing that character, I would still be like, I have no interest in seeing anything that has to do with Howard the Duck. The the only time I had any sort of interest is I remember I was reading up on Gwenpool and I was trying to flip through and see, um, you know, where she first appeared at, and I read somewhere that she appeared in uh in a Howard the Duck series. I was like, oh my gosh, you telling me I have to read Howard the Howard Duck? The Duck. I, and and I'll say this: there was one scene where I was reading through. I was like, oh, that's actually pretty funny, but I just i I would be okay if they just wiped them out of existence at some point. So yeah, I I feel you. Um, I will say this before, and I I've, I've said it a lot on the show, and I think it bears repeating that a lot of what we like and dislike about characters is not the innate 
the innateness of that character. It's the mm-hmm. interpretation of the person writing and drawing it. So, um, you know, some, some people create great storylines that make you fall in love, um, with a character. And then some people write storylines that you're like, what are you doing? This isn't that character. Um, mm-hmm. I think we, I think we can all pick something like, you know, we all wish that, um, uh, the Phoenix saga, you know, the, what is it? The, the last X-Men movie that just flat uh, out didn't Phoenix. make it dark Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. Like to me that that movie doesn't exist. <laughs> um, so it's just one of those things. It's one of those things that, that you, you, you're going to come across um, those instances and it, maybe sometimes it's just not, it's the, it's the writer, the the version that you picked up. Oh, I don't like this character. Oh, and someone will say, Oh, have you read this yet? And then you give it a chance and you, and you, and you may like it. Mm-hmm. Um, just out of curiosity. Yeah. Did you have a second? I did. Okay. On three, I want us to both say our second person at the same time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ready? Yep. One, two, three. The flash. Cyclops. Okay. <laughs> I thought for sure we would have the same one. Not this time. Okay. I'm not going to go into a deep, deep dive on it, but like Cyclops is a dick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like in every version of the character, he's a total a-hole. Right. And, um, I just, the, the, we, that's we could end of discussion. He's super cool. His costume is great. His powers are awesome. <laughs> um, but he's also like, if we were playing the game, like what, he, what hero on the team would you trade for one of the villains on the other side? Cyclops I would trade. Would be your first I would one. trade. He's like Cyclops. <laughs> Cyclops for a player to be named later. Okay, like <laughs> See, I'll take the that's, blob. That's a bummer for me because I really enjoyed Cyclops growing up. I still, I've always gravitated to like the leaders of groups. So Cyclops is always my favorite because he was one of the leader. Uh, Leonardo from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. was always my favorite because of that. Um, and I know there was a run where, and we talked about this on the show where um, he like just straight up left his kid and his wife because he found out that Jean Grey was still alive. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there was some backstory on there that said that there was something happening in the writer's room that just kind of took it for a weird turn and, and they didn't really like how they, how they treated that. And so I think they've been Mm -hmm. kind of forgetting that and, and ignoring that whole storyline there, but you're, you're not the first or last person to say Cyclops for many reasons as well too so why why do you like dislike the flash this really and maybe this is more uh my beef with the show that's currently out but mm-hmm. uh i don't know i just uh, like someone who has uh you know super speed and to have the solution for most's problems is to be the fastest runner for the most part, right? Like there's mm-hmm. like, he always has to like, you know, go and fix things. He always has to, you know, run faster, run faster. And that's really how it is in the show. And I remember the first season of the flash, I absolutely loved it. And then the second season, it was like, okay, so we got another speedster. And I think the third season, was the same thing. I was just like, can we get anybody other than the speedster? And I will say this, this person didn't make my cut for villain. I love, but I do find this villain really, very interesting for flash is trickster. Mm-hmm who was played by Mark Hamill in the 90s version of The Flash, and then he showed up in uh, this series of The Flash as um, the original trickster. And yeah, the, the very first multiverse crossover. Right, yeah. 
And I thought for sure they would have him in there more because the trickster was very interesting as a villain because he did not have super speed, but he had enough intelligence to test the flash in terms of, can he go and do all these things in enough time? And mm-hmm. it was almost like the Riddler in one sense where he's always just constantly pushing and seeing, you know, how much chaos, maybe not Riddler, maybe more like Joker, yeah, uh, but just how much chaos he can cause and is always pushing, you know, can the flash be in multiple places at once? I found that really interesting and fascinating. So, yeah, you, you attack something that neutralizes their super strength. Right. Right. Exactly. Their, their ability. Yeah. You, you challenge them m- mentally to figure something out that neutralizes their strength. Um, I've never been like a huge Flash fan, mm-hmm. but if you're going to get into comics, I'll make a recommendation here for you. <laughs> um, the Flash in the comics was one of the characters that made me understand how important color is and how important the role of the colorer on a comic can mm-hmm. be. And um, I, I actually only started reading The Flash when the new 52 came out. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the Flash by Francis Manipal and uh, Brian Bucciolato, who Brian Bucciolato wrote and wrote alongside um, the artist and, and then colored it. Like he was, mm. you know, they were both wearing multiple hats on that creative team. Right. But I had a chance to talk to him at a Comic-Con a few years ago and talk to him about that book. And one of the things that... I noticed was that like all the other characters, all the other colors in the book are very muted earth tones. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing is very bright with the exception of the flash. Right. The flash is this red streak across the page. And a lot of time he's the most vibrant thing out there. Mm-hmm. And it just, it made, it enhanced the story that much more that I started looking at comics a different way, like based on how they were colored. Um, and it like this was once again this was about ten years ago when I like, got back into comics and became a big fan. Right. So it was it was a cool experience to to come to that you know to recognize that and to be able to talk to the person who did it. And he was like, yeah, that's exactly why I, I did it. So mm-hmm. um, that was that was that's very cool. So if you're gonna read the Flash, read some New Fifty Two. I so. might have to do that. I, I've been yeah. enjoying the Batman New Fifty Two, so I really need to get into the other yeah. ones too. So. Yeah. And I and I use that as an excuse to like okay, well I can jump back on here. So like some of those classic heroes, I started reading that that stuff because like the that had just happened when I got back into it. Mm-hmm. And it may not be looked on as like some classic thing. I mean, obviously Court of Owls is um like is now considered a classic storyline, but right. um but it was a good place to get started reading comics again for me. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Do we have some suggestions from our listeners? Yeah, definitely. So um, on Twitter, at T-E-H underscore Sphinx, agreed with you. It said Cyclops is uh, a hero they hate, along with Hawkeye and Harley Quinn, which I wouldn't necessarily put her as a hero, but, I mean, lately they've been kind of making her more of an anti-hero, so I Mm -hmm. think that would be good. Um, that nerd Chris and friendly MBHDBI on Twitter both said Tony Stark, which I've heard people <laughs> slam on Tony Stark all the time. Yeah. The, uh, the hoppy mommy on Twitter said Iron Fist, but the one on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. I will, I will concur on that one. Like yeah. it is hard to separate the comic book version of them from their, from their in other media form. Right. Um, and it may be a while before we ever get to see a great Iron Fist character the way that he's portrayed in the comics, because mm. that seemed to be the okay. Like I would love for 
um, Jessica Jones um, and Luke Cage from the Daredevil like Netflix series to cross over into the MCU as oh, well. Yeah. yeah. But I'm um, like, if you got to take three of them, do you have to take the fourth? <laughs> it's very, it's very, very, it, it tears at me because like, I don't want that particular actor involved. Right. Um, because it just seemed like he was a wet mop. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a very enthused performance. It was. I remember watching that first season, and I just wasn't impressed. The second season, I was, I actually found interesting, um, but I found it interesting for all the other characters and not for the person who mm-hmm. played Iron Fist. So, yeah, um, Jessica Henwick, White Tiger, yes, like put her in everything. Misty Knight, let were, yeah, let her and Misty Knight team up with, um, with uh, Kate and Yelena, and just have an all girl yeah. kick ass Marvel <laughs> squad. <laughs> You can throw in She-Hulk in there since she's coming too, I'm sure. But like, yeah, Jessica put Jessica Jones, yeah, in there. That it would. What's the what's the The all female? The the eight, not the A Force, A Force, A Force, yes, A Force. (laughs) So say A Team with uh, Mr. T there. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. A Force, but also cool. Yeah, yeah. You could also have like, um, oh. I can't think of the actor's name, but you could definitely have somebody play Mr. T in the MCU, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the comic book teacher on Instagram said Superman. Uh, Unfiltered, the one with three Ds at the end, is, said Star-Lord, uh, which I'm not surprised. Honestly, I'm not surprised by Star-Lord or Superman because I've heard people say you know, what their beef I've, is. My brother-in-law said he doesn't like Superman because he's invincible. Uh, yeah, he is. Almost, he's pretty. You know? <laughs> he he is pretty. What are they? What's the it nerfed? Is is the term right? Um, and you know what? I have a friend um, named Hillary Thomas who I I love a lot. She is my kid's fairy con mother because we met mm. her. Uh, she hosted the the kids um, cosplay competition the first time Madden ever entered a competition, and we cool. met her. We met some other friends there, and she gives me crap all the time about how much I love Superman because she she hates him. Um, right. She a few years ago she gave me a set of like um, Justice League like pint glasses, mm-hmm. and there's three of the four in the set because she got them like Green Lantern, Flash, and Batman, and then Superman. But she took the Batman one out. I mean the Superman one out. And she might have like broken it, but she definitely didn't pass it on. She definitely didn't pass it on to me. Now I love Hillary, but people that don't like Superman, there's something wrong with you. Right. (laughs) Sorry, Ronnell, if you hear that. I mean, I love you, but yes. And last but not least is our friend uh, Chris Friendly Neighborhood CT said Tom Holland's Spider Man. Which is always, there's always going to be that infinite battle. There's that one guy that doesn't, <laughs> uh, I, you're why we can't have nice things. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all over social media. Like people always arguing like which one's the better Spider-Man. And I'm always like, you know, there's different portrayals of characters that will always have strengths and weaknesses. You're never going to have somebody that will fully portray the character the way it's intended because the character has had such a long history and has taken on Mm -hmm. different lives of themselves through the eyes of the writers and everything that you're never going to have like a quote unquote comics accurate character a hundred percent because the comics is really diverse in terms of the story of the character, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I think there, there's always going to be that tension, but I just like, you know, I think, 
Toby Maguire, you know, I, I was a big fan of him playing Peter Parker in the first three movies. I thought he did a fine job. I w- was surprised they picked him. But I tell you what, No Way Home, when he's an older Peter Parker, nailed it. Like he looked. Yeah, way more compelling. Yes, exactly. way more compelling. It just seemed like that was the role that he was really meant to be. And mm-hmm. then Andrew Garfield, I know a lot of people, you know, didn't enjoy Andrew Garfield because he was like, you know, too tall and skinny is more like a, a skater boy or whatever. But I thought he did a good job with with that role as well, too. Like, yes, he wasn't great in, in every aspect of Peter Parker or Spider-Man, but I thought he still did a good job of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, But but everybody's going to have, you know. Their- right. Everybody's going to have their reasoning behind it. Like, right. I can make my case. Um, I think Tom Holland is the superior Spider-Man because – He's Tom Holland and the rest of those guys aren't. Okay. So <laughs> Tom Holland is great. Yeah. Yeah. He's been no, doing some great stuff. So it's, yeah, it's trivial, but you know, we all have our, we all have our favorite. All right. Yep. Is there, is there anybody out there in the multiverse that we, that you didn't get to that you like want to give like a last minute consideration for before we wrap this up? Um, no, I actually hit everybody on my end because I, I wanted to bring up Trickster, um, even though he didn't land on my villain and I was able to throw him in there mm-hmm. with the Flash and all that. But yeah, I think I hit everybody on my end for the most part. Oh, you know what? Um, another villain that I love is Juggernaut. And I, I won't okay. go into yeah. it too much, but I love Juggernaut. I mean, he's, a, you know, I'm a big guy, right? I'm six foot six. So naturally, I'm going to really be interested in guys who are huge. Apparently, he's like nine foot five and weighs like 1300 pounds or something like that. Um, but did you know that he is not actually technically a mutant? Yes, I did know that Juggernaut was not actually a mutant because uh, he's one of my favorites too. Yeah. The Juggernaut action figure, which I'm holding <laughs> in my hands if you're watching the video version of this, right. actually is like proportionately weighted to other like action figures. This thing must weigh four pounds. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's hulking and, and ex- huge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he he gets his power from the ruby right. that he wears um, in the in the chest of his costume. Yeah, and it's like they the they cover of Cyrotech or something like that. And they cover all of that stuff in the um, in the show. Um, like he's Xavier's stepbrother. Yeah, and they cover mm-hmm. all that stuff in the show, the X Men show that I grew up watching as a kid. And mm-hmm. and I'll jump back to what we started with because you made a great point about Mystique in all the reasons that you talked about why she's like inherently not a hero mm-hmm. is what I think makes her awesome. <laughs> Cause I would love her superpower. Like I said, I would want a superpower that could make you a lot of money. And I think being able to change who you are. Yeah. Hello. hello I'm Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I would like to make a withdrawal. Right. All of it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I would totally, I would totally, um, I would totally like she's, she's one of my favorites. Yeah. So. Yeah. Definitely. Great conversation, my friend. Yeah. As always. Excellent one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so that wraps up another episode of The Caption Life. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this one. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out, tag us in your post. For more info about us and all of our previous episodes, please visit thecaptionlife.com. Until next time. Villains Unite! Like what we're doing, give us a shout out, tag us in your post. 
For more info about us and all of our previous episodes, please visit thecaptionlife.com. Until next time, Villains Villains Unite! Unite!